all again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined a little bit more remotely this time but by Will, I can't write a message back, Mjerden. How's it going today, Will? I'm glad that you're alive. I'm glad I'm hearing from you because it was a long weekend without a single response from you. Yes, I'm sorry, mate. I was I was a bit MIA over the weekend, and I know we don't usually go this long without touching base with each other, especially over a college football weekend. I dropped the ball a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, but I'm doing well. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. How's the body pulled up after I, what I assume was a rather large weekend? Yeah, no, I'm certainly not built for this anymore. I will be the first to acknowledge that. So. It's uh, it it takes a toll. It's just not worth it. The uh, listeners the time of the show would have heard. Myself. Listeners of the show would have heard that from you before, though. You keep saying I'm not built for it. I can't handle the pace anymore. It's a young person's game, but you continue to engage in these frivolous activities. Yeah, but like if you look at me on the punt as well, it's it's a similar sort of thing here. So. <laughs> you know, whilst I say one thing, I I am persistent. I will keep trying. Okay. All right. Maybe foolishly. Yeah, obviously. Now, we've got a lot to get through today. We've got our key takeaways from week three action. We've got game recaps, bold predictions, helmet stickers, the Aussies in action, and then we will visit on the punt, which normally I hear about a lot throughout the course of the weekend, but I've got no idea uh, this weekend how we went or how you went more specifically. So I look forward to hopefully being back in the winner's circle from a financial perspective. I feel like you you were all up and about too this weekend because Miami finally hit the uh, scoreboard. So you, you wanted to be able to share that. You, this is not. I'm not going to celebrate beating up on a borderline high school team. No disrespect to Bethune Cookman, but you got to take them where you can, man. Oh God, coming from an Oklahoma <laughs> State fan, this is getting this is getting rough here. We need a we need to bounce back with a. A solid win over Central Michigan, actually. We play them this year and a team that you couldn't beat last time. So maybe we'll we'll revisit that after this weekend's action. Perhaps. All right. Now, we did talk about uh, the fact that this weekend potentially was not going to be as exciting. Maybe the slate of games wasn't as great. There certainly wasn't the headlining matchups that there were in, in week two and what we can see moving forward into week four, uh, but still a fantastic, fantastic round of football as it turned out. Some really, really entertaining games, some strange, strange finishes, both from a refereeing standpoint, a coaching standpoint, and a playing standpoint. Uh, But I really enjoyed another fantastic weekend of college football. And again, this season is clearly shaping up as, as being a really, really entertaining one. Yeah, I mean, I, I did mention this in the lead-up too. You said, oh, this is a really disappointing game. This is that down one where we don't have two ranked teams playing and there's a lot of meh on the on the cards. But looking at it, they're, they're, from the outside, I was really keen because there are a lot of intriguing matchups and they played out to be that way, which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, any other key takeaways from you this weekend, Will? What did you enjoy? What did you see? What did you like? Uh, I mean, there was, again, more injuries in the SEC at the quarterback position, so didn't like this, but uh, probably the first one to mention is Felipe Franks going down for the year. So that that has a huge impact on them as a team. Uh, His replacement came in, was it Trask? Kyle Trask, yeah. Trask. He uh, he balled out. He, he 
he really pulled them out of a hole against Kentucky. And we'll touch on that one a little bit later. But I'm concerned at that because whilst Felipe Franks hasn't been awesome to begin with, I feel like there was, he was trending in the right direction. Uh, and and they, they had someone in the position that could help them move forward with that great defense they've got. Yeah, I I will disagree with you on this one. Firstly, I'm impressed with your commitment to maybe studying medicine because you have been really all over this injury thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, in each episode on the on the recap show, if your name is getting called out this early into the show, that's probably not good news. Yeah, unfortunately, no for you. Um. But what I will say is that I don't believe it actually has a massive impact on Florida. I was pretty down on uh, Felipe Franks. I don't think he is that great. And there was a lot of uh, talk coming out of um, Gainesville during the preseason about whether Kyle Trask was actually going to take over. And, you know, that name hasn't just been thrown around as like, oh, it's a backup quarterback and, you know, he's just, you know, the backup quarterback's always the next best player or is the best player, often better than the incumbent starter, all those sorts of things. And But he is a really, really good quarterback. If anything, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a positive overall. Obviously, I, I trust Dan Mullen and the Florida coaching staff ahead of my interpretation of that position. But I don't think it's going to be a step back for them. I think that defense is really, really good. You know I'm down on Felipe Franks as a passer of the football. Uh, and, you know, if we look at what the result was on the weekend, is that, is that when, you know, he did go out, and obviously we don't want to see people getting injured, and we certainly don't want to see injuries like a dislocated ankle, which is what he's got, and he is out for the remainder of the season. But I don't think it's a massive drop-off, if any drop-off at all. And I still think the Gators are the team that we think they are, which... To me, it's probably not a top 10 team. Well, not probably. It's definitely not a top 10 team. But I don't think that is defined by this injury to Felipe Franks. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing now is we're never going to really know that. I mean, the only thing that we could see is that if this young kid comes in and they absolutely start to ball out and, you know, push for the SEC, then we'll be like, yeah, he was the player. But that's probably the unlikely scenario here. If they do struggle, it's, mm, we don't know. We didn't know what we had with Franks stepping into the rest of this year. So it's kind of going to end a bit of a mystery and then it'll build back up next year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think there's a couple of other things I wouldn't mind bringing up. And that, firstly, is the ACC, a quick question for you, William, is the ACC the worst of the Power Five conferences? I know the Pac-12 has got a bad rap recently about being or lacking the star quality and the big headlines and the games and all that. But it seems like the middle class of the Pac-12 is better than the middle class of the ACC. Yeah, I mean, the ACC had another terrible weekend and it doesn't look good. It, it's, it's a tough one to judge because Clemson are so good and I don't want to completely rule that out when talking about the conferences to say, oh, everyone except Clemson because Clemson exists there and they're the, probably the best team in the country right now. And and them and Bama are comfortably, you know, right at the, the peak of the sport. So they do have that to hold on to where the Pac-12 doesn't. They've got Utah up there who are a good football team but not in the same conversation at the minute. So yeah. outside of that, there is a lot of mediocrity uh, at, at both levels. They've, they've both had some really disappointing losses outside of conference and it just continues to pile on for Virginia Tech, not only the out-of-conference stuff but now even in-conference where you would expect you know, the, the better team, the team that's been travelling better, 
to get the wins. They're dropping to the ones who were supposed to be the, the worst team. And, and when you start that sort of infighting is when things really start to kind of fall to pieces. Yeah. Because, yeah, you want teams to have up and down years. You don't want this infighting of continual, you know, six and six teams around the mark because they're all betting up on each other. You would rather teams go, you know, 10 wins one year and then drop back down a little bit. So, yeah, I, the ACC is not pretty at the moment, man. No, and I'm sure we'll get to the BC Kansas game later uh, in the episode. But uh, the last thing that I did want to talk about, because we had a brief chat just before we uh, went came on air here, is the lens in which we view players. Um, and it mainly, again, comes from that quarterback position, but I find that Tua Tungavailoa and Trevor Lawrence probably aren't getting the recognition or the accolades that they did last year, even though their seasons are as good as, if not better, than what they were last year. And I know that's the nature of being a human being. Once you've seen it before, it's just kind of that's the expectation and the norm. Uh, whereas we look at the Jalen Hurts situation and all of a sudden he's doing things that he wasn't doing at Bama and everyone's talking about him being an absolute freak and a weapon and he's, and don't be wrong, he is that. But Tour and Trevor Lawrence are still playing as good as, if not better than what he is at the moment. Um, and I just find that interesting that that, that is the way that we uh, look at players and, and we threw out the term sophomore slump about Trevor Lawrence and because he threw a couple of interceptions in the first game but he's still throwing absolute dimes consistently. And is he confident in his arm? Yes. And does he take on throws that a lot of players wouldn't? Yes. But he makes them more often than not. Yeah. I mean, the, the dude is still a stud. There's, there's no taking away from that. I think it's just that we you knocked it in the preseason, I think, where you said that no Heisman favorite has won in ever, I think it was. And, and that's because the, yeah. that standard is so high. I mean... Uh, was it Lamar Jackson? The year he won the Heisman, the second year he came, like the the following year coming back, he had better numbers from a pure statistic standpoint, and wasn't yeah. even in the top five running for for the award, just purely because you know <laughs> we've seen it before. We expect you to build on that. We expect more, and those guys had historic years last year, so they're always up against it. I think. They're going to continue to pile it on, and when they start to distance themselves at the top of all of these statistical charts and and all of that, I think they will. It will start to turn a bit. I think this is going to be a different year. But you are right. It's it's kind of that natural. Uh, we've seen it before. What's the new shiny thing? You know, even Justin Fields out at Ohio State. Oh, look at this kid go. He's, yeah, he's awesome. He's new. Rah, rah, rah. It's like yeah, still you know we should be saying the same stuff about these other guys. Yeah. Okay, any last takeaways from this weekend's actions or are you keen to get into some game recaps? No, nah, let's roll into it, man. All right, let's do it. Now, where do you want to start? We can start anywhere you would like to, William. There was a whole bunch. Let's go the the Friday night games. The Friday night games, okay. So we had Saturday here. We, we had a, a few interesting matchups. Uh, I guess the first one that I was kind of leading to with the whole ACC dealio and beating up on themselves, Wake Forest and North Carolina. In an out-of-conference game? Some, uh, somehow? Yeah, what? Really? Yeah, so obviously both teams are in conference, but because it was scheduled as an out-of-conference game, it's considered an out-of-conference game. Uh, so... Again, like, you know, you've got these teams that schedule 
conference games and out of conference games and this one actually goes down even though these two teams are in the same conference it goes down as an out of conference game <laughs> so that's weird whatever yeah okay so so it is a bad out of conference loss for the ACC <laughs> yeah, exactly or oh, good but hey on the flip side of that they got a good out of conference win on the weekend too so exactly so uh Wake Forest jump out of the blocks and and lead this one pretty comfortably at half time uh UNC kind of had a bit of a letdown um and really struggled offensively uh, couldn't get any rhythm on either side of the ball, really, and, and end up going down 24-19 to finish that game off. But a bit of an ugly one there for both teams, really. The big news out of the back of that one was the refereeing at the end there. So yeah. I'm not sure if you saw it, but they ran out of bounds with a second to go. Yeah. Essentially, that that second got you know uh, written off and they didn't get a chance, which is disappointing to see because you want people to have a chance. I mean, watching the Bears game this morning, which I did, they literally used all of the clock to get that one second to kick the 52-yard field goal that they did in winning today. Yeah. So, you know, it, it can have a massive difference. I think it's probably a lot less likely in that scenario. Yeah. But uh, it's it still hurts. You, you still want to have that shot. And when the ACC come out and go, yeah, we, we, we've done the wrong thing here, yeah. we, we stuffed up, it, that, it doesn't make it any better for you. A loss is a loss. And because a loss is so brutal at the college football level, it really kind of stings. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe Wake Forest is sneaky okay in the ACC. I mean, lucky they're in the ACC because they're probably getting beaten up otherwise. But staying uh, in that part of the world, Kansas head up to Chestnut Hill and just absolutely manhandle uh, BC. They run all over them and... Kansas get their first out-of-conference Power 5 road... No, it might just be, sorry, Power 5 road win in 46 attempts. Um, so Kansas breaking... It's going back some time. Yeah, Kansas breaking streaks and, and Les Miles doing some good things there. So well done to Kansas and actually putting up 48 points and, and stopping a BC team that is always usually pretty stout defensively and, you know, can run the ball with AJ Dillon. But... They just controlled it really, really from start to finish. So well done to Kansas. They've actually put up a couple of uh, streak-breaking wins in the last two years. So They certainly seem to be turning things around there, don't they? I mean, the, for that streak to be broken is, is already a good sign. And AJ Dillon still, you know, he got fed the ball and he, he ran for over 150 yards. He, he still had a solid day, but they obviously had a, a game plan to contain that, to know that that was going to be, you know, keep that manageable. And then were, were able to do stuff themselves on the ground. They, they had a, a huge day, as you mentioned, uh, rushing for over 300 yards as a team. They, they're super impressive to, to go up there and win that because I don't think either of us gave them much hope. Not at all. Uh, moving things along, Houston visit uh, Washington. Actually, check that. Sorry, Washington State head down to Houston uh, to take on. I was going to say the Cougars, but they're both the Cougars, so Correct. that's a Cougars little bit the Cougars. Cougars v Cougars, uh, and they score a late touchdown uh, to make this one a little bit closer than it looks as a, a 34-21 win to Wazoo. Anthony Gordon goes off again. Uh, we can't keep stating how good that offense is and, and obviously how quarterback-friendly it is, but how easy these quarterbacks step in and do a really good job. And he is a good quarterback. I don't 
want to downplay what he's doing. Uh, he did a fantastic job there. But, you know, I, I think um, that Dana Holgerson would be somewhat happy with with how the Cougs went from Houston. And, you know, they put up a, a reasonable fight after being, you know, lackluster defensively. And they've actually held them to a lower score than what I thought they would manage to. Yeah, I don't know if he is going to be happy with that one, though. Um, like uh, having an opportunity of a Power 5 team to come down to play in yours and not like a, a super strong one, but a respectable unit who are ranked at the minute uh, is, is great for your program. And if, if you can get a win there, I think it's massive. Uh, so for them to not be able to do that is, is not – I don't think it's like a we're happy with this situation sort of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just think Houston are a little bit off yet and it's going to take some time and we know that Dana Holgerson's a good coach. You know that he's in a talent-rich recruiting area and I think there's good things to come for them, but they have struggled to keep in touch initially um, at the start of the year. So I think this isn't, you know, they weren't really ever going to threaten to win this game, but I actually think that, yeah, it, it wasn't as bad as what I thought. I thought this was going to be a blowout probably to, to Washington State. Okay. But anyway, we will move into some of Sunday's action. Uh, straight off the ranks, why don't we jump into uh, an SEC showdown and this Kentucky versus Florida. So Florida get out of this one 29 to 21. I just don't know how Kentucky was in complete control. They dominated dominated both line of lines of scrimmage, uh, which is always puts you in a good position to win the game. Uh, and they were up twenty one ten, and that was when Felipe Franks went out with that injury. Kyle Trask comes in comes into the game, uh, and the Gators go on a nineteen and zero run to close the game out. One big thing that I hated, and I don't know how much you caught of this game, but I just hated that Kentucky were playing for a field goal and you were putting the game on the line with a redshirt freshman kicker called Chance Poor. I mean, you're just <laughs> not even giving the kid a crack. Have a think about it. There's obviously a joke there. I'll let you do something with that. But time and time again, we see this in the pros. We don't see it so much in college football, but in the pros, certainly. We see this defensive, you know what, we're just going to run it a few times put ourselves in position to kick a 35 or 37-yard field goal, and we and we miss. I just think you were moving the ball, you were running the ball well, go and score. If you want to kick a field goal, sure, but go and get it inside the 10. Don't get to the 20 and go, yep, we're close enough now. I just I hated that defensive play by Stoops. I think he dropped the ball there because Kentucky were in complete control. The last touchdown, which was an end around um, by Josh Hammond, yeah, okay, that that blew the score out. But oh, Kentucky really got to be disappointed. Yeah, certainly. I think you're right. They they had an opportunity. They were controlling this match. They were in complete control of it, and I thought they were going to do it again. Uh, but they did get super conservative. A few things didn't go their way and, and then it all kind of fell to pieces for them, which is really disappointing. Uh, watching this one, I, I also noticed that what they had three targeting calls across the day, which which obviously had a, yep. a big impact on thing because you had three starters kind of thrown out the game, uh, t- two from <laughs> Kentucky and, and one f- from Florida. And it's just, it's so harsh sometimes. Like there, there are a few hits from this, like the one from the safety to begin with, I was like, yeah, that's probably fair. You, you kind of, you know, 
tonked him with the crown of your helmet. But when there was like a, I think it was one of the D linemen making a tackle that just was a tackle and his, his helmet happened yeah. to, to kind of hit him high. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. that is so harsh to, to kind of have yeah. that and, and to really fuck your team over that way. But, you know, you, mm. you can't look at those specifics and say that's what cost them. It was a whole bunch of things that built up that really let Kentucky down in the end. Yeah, on top of that, Sawyer Smith, I think, did a fantastic job for the Wildcats stepping in for the injured Terry Wilson. I think Kavosley, I can't say his name, Kavosi Smoke did a, a fantastic job at running back for the Wildcats. And they just fed him um, the ball, didn't they? Yeah, they did, especially on that last drive, and they had him going at four yards a clip, which is all they needed. Anyway, um, Florida, again, still to me, just don't look like that top 10 team. Uh, and... I think once they get more into the meat of this SEC slate, there is some losses on the board for the Gators. But having said that, they're winning. And I'm finding myself overly critical of Florida. I'm obviously not big on what they do. Uh, but, you know, they are, they're winning games and that's really what it counts. They're 3-0 at the moment. So <laughs> that's really the only score that matters. Yeah, but I mean, they certainly have limitations that some of the others in the top 10 you don't see. And, yeah. you know, most teams do at the college level especially, but there are a few up there that are a lot less apparent at the minute than what you see with Florida. Okay, let's jump into, we'll go ACC just to get this one out of the way, but Virginia 31, Florida State 24. Oh, I don't really know what to think about this one either. Virginia come from behind, uh, led by Bryce Perkins. There was... It was a messy game for both teams. There was an insane amount of penalties to finish the game. Um, both Florida State and Virginia gave up big, long drives. That was one drive, I think, had about 59 yards worth of penalties in it um, because Virginia just kept targeting or roughing quarterbacks or whatever to finish the game. Um and, and Bryce Perkins is a tough operator to deal with. He's got this run, pass, draw, set up uh, that it's, it's really hard. Um, and, and, and the Cavs get out of there with a win. Florida State did some good stuff, but penalties which plagued Oregon when Willie Taggart was up there are starting to rear their ugly heads again at Florida State. They couldn't finish. Uh, and, and that is what is holding FSU back. I don't think they're actually as bad as what they are kind of getting a rap for at the moment, but it's just some dumb penalties, some questionable play calling at time. I think their offensive line has settled a little bit. Their run defense, while still not great, is getting better. They've got a lot of good athletes. Uh, James Blackman overthrew to Marion Terry that would have won the game. That would have been a go-ahead touchdown. Uh, and oh, sorry, a tying touchdown, but would have kept them in the game. And, and even the clock management at the end there, they... With four seconds to go, you've got an opportunity to clock the ball and give yourself a chance to get the right play call in. They they put Cam Akers in the backfield in a, in a wildcat from about the five-yard line and, and try and run it in off t- – it just never had a chance. It was a, a strange finish and, and mismanaged there at the end. So ugh, Florida State, again, look a little bit rusty, a little bit ugly from a coaching standpoint. And again, whilst people think they're really bad, they're probably not but they'll win some games this year. They'll upset people. I'm still not convinced that either team is an ACC heavyweight. Yeah, I don't know. I think Virginia probably deserve the the Rappers being a solid ACC team. They're the ones who haven't been shit so far from that mob. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and this would have been a really bad loss for the ACC again, like another one piled on if Florida State had of won because of how Florida State have started. So I think no one I – don't, I don't think anyone out there thinks Florida State are shit. I just think that they're probably the biggest – underachievers in terms of the talent that they have and then the product that they put out on the field. And and that's the most disappointing thing. You mentioned it. They, they have the athletes. They have the recruiting classes. And it's not just athletes. These were dudes who are really good at the high school level at playing the football. And now they seem to not be able to do that. Yeah. And, and that's where we kind of – you start to question the coaching. You say a lot of this comes down to coaching. When you've got a good coach, things change. It, it's going to have to start to turn around quickly this year for them. Otherwise, things could get, start to get even nastier down in Tallahassee. Yeah, no doubt. And Wayne Tallapapa had a fantastic game for uh, the Cavs as well. And he scores two in, in the last five minutes to to get them across the line. So, uh, And a crazy two-point conversion by Bryce Perkins, which that, that play would have lasted for about 20 seconds. He was running around all over the place and eventually um, kind of cruised into the end zone. But, yeah, well done to the Cavs. I suppose they're going to stay ranked. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to consolidate their place above uh, everyone else in that ACC Coastal. All right. Uh, moving right along, we'll go to uh, a an interesting in-game Iowa showdown. Uh, we've got Iowa versus Iowa State. And the Hawkeyes get out of that one 18 to 17. You are the guru on all things Iowa. So I'll let you take this one away. What were your thoughts on that particular showdown? Well, my immediate thoughts following the thing was what well, Iowa has won by a point. What was the line in this one? One and a half? Get yeah. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are really good in Vegas, man. What, what they do out there. So that one cost us, but. I, Iowa State cost themselves as well. I don't know if you yeah. saw that last punt that return. Muffed punt, Jesus. Oh, man. It, I mean, the dude who's supposed to be blocking for him really lit him up nicely. That was a, that was a <laughs> good would hit. Be, there'd be an awesome photo of that, and it would just look like a player just jacking up his own team. Correct, teammate. correct. And, and you know, as like an Iowa fan who has family or friends or whatever that are Iowa State guys, you've now got that for a long fucking time. You can just kind of bring that up whenever it is, just show that photo and be like, yeah, this. Remember this? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've got that. It, it was a it was a good game. It was a bit of a stop-start game because of the weather delays that they had. So yeah, it was a bit all over the shop. Did go forever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they had all the students on the field at one point trying – trying to get away from the weather or there was something going on there so it was a, a bit of a strange one there but it was kind of what you expect with these two teams in that it was a bit of a slugfest you know first to 21 like it feels yeah. like they're playing beach volleyball or some shit table yeah. tennis uh backwards and forwards and you know then the big brother who is iowa in this scenario is able to get it done in the end uh, and again i think that's five times now in a row that they've been able to walk away with the Cyhawk. So I think Iowa State will be bitterly disappointed because they are uh, better than they have been historically. They've got all this juice under Matt Campbell this year. But again, as I kind of mentioned it in the lead up to this one, I think they, they just don't seem to have the dudes this year. And whilst he's still a very good football coach, they're probably going to underachieve on what most people's expectations are. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I've never been big on Iowa, and I think I've worked out exactly why. I'll get to Iowa State in a sec, but Iowa to me, they've got Pittsburgh Steeler uniforms. I think that's the thing that just gets on my radar, and I just, uh, I really, really struggle with it. Nate Stanley was steady today; he was okay. They struggled to run the ball effectively or consistently. I thought Iron, and that's going to be an issue moving into their conference slate. Like you said with Iowa State, I think they, uh, yeah, I don't know. They they ran the ball, so, I mean, it was patchy. They had some success, but it was inconsistent. So they're struggling to replace David Montgomery. Uh, they're getting some, you know, production on the outside. They lost um, um, Akeem Hicks last year, but... You know, Tariq Milton went and had eight catches for 144 yards, and and Brock Purdy's still doing a pretty good job. He had that one killer fumble, which probably didn't help, or definitely didn't help. And Iowa State will be a little bit disappointed, but uh, you know they're continuing to to punch on there against Iowa, and and that game continues to be a close one every year. And I know that picking that in the future, it's going to be within three points every single time. That game is always tight. All right, moving on, uh, let's jump into the Big Ten kind of, Pac-12 kind of, in the Arizona State versus Michigan State. Uh, the Sun Devils head up to East Lansing and come away with a victory for the second consecutive year. A really, really bizarre finish in this game as Michigan State go and kick uh, a, a 42, I think it was a 42-yard field goal. Uh, and the kicker hits it. Sweet, not a problem. Goes through. We're tied at 10 all. Looks like it's going to overtime. Arizona State challenged the play. There is 12 men on the field for Michigan State. Uh, so they take a five-yard penalty, attempt to re-kick. The kicker shanks it badly. And Arizona State get out of there with a 10-7 to win. Michigan State still has issues on offense. Arizona State has issues running the ball still, and that O-line is rough for the Sun Devils. But Jaden Daniels continues to improve despite his lack of offensive weapons around him. Uh, But Michigan State and that offense has still got a lot of question marks. Yeah, and I mean, this was always going to be Michigan State's issue. Their defense is elite, but the problem is they're going to find themselves in these little 10-7 matchups because they can't score. They cannot fucking do anything offensively. And this is one of Brian Lewerke's better games. I mean, he almost went for 300 yards through the air. He just couldn't get into the end zone. I mean, rushing the ball, they went, what, like 35 attempts and just got over 100 yards. They're about three yards per average, which was the same for Arizona State, but you kind of expect that from there. If they're going to be a good team, they need to do more. And especially at home, you've got to – you got to get something going, and, and we just haven't seen it from them. I really, really like their defense, and I think Mike D'Antonio is a great coach. I, I, I don't know if it's a, a Lewerke thing or what the deal is, but they're, they're disappointing because they have half the equation of being a really, really good team. Yeah, I mean, that defensive front continues to really, really – Uh, stand out for the Spartans and again they're going to be propped up by that they just can't seem to find the offense that they are after Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how they bounce back they will I'm sure and they'll go and have a a good run in the Big Ten Um, but yeah another disappointing loss for them and I wouldn't surprise me if uh, the the heat gets turned up on that Michigan State coaching staff okay 
All right, other games, let's jump into the SEC. So Tennessee get their first win against Chattanooga. Not particularly relevant, but hey, Tennessee got a win. Arkin, uh, that was 45 to nothing. Please feel free to stop me at any stage here, William, as we blitz through these. Georgia beat Arkansas State 55 to nothing. Um, and the Georgia fans did a really, really nice job with the passing of one of the Arkansas State's coaches' wives, which was really, really nice. Yeah, the pink out. Yeah, it was. Uh, Alabama beat South Carolina 47-23, two throws for 4-44 and five touchdowns. South Carolina managed to move the ball on the ground a little bit and cover the spread in the end, which was probably a bit of a surprise, um, but nothing, no, nothing to concern ourselves with there from the Alabama perspective, William. No, I mean, South Carolina were not bad in this matchup. They, they really got let down on special teams. They, they had a few plays that kind of big returns that they had. They got called back on penalties. They had a, a fake field goal that I think they were able to get yeah. some stuff going on that was called back. So they'd be super disappointed with that. Part of that is, you know, special teams, uh, it, it's a difficult part of the game when you're coming up against Alabama because their special team is our four and five stars. That, that's normally where you yeah, get yeah. guys in who are your walk-ons and, you know, the, the dudes yeah. are getting reps too. They they are elite on all facets. So it, it's a tough out, Alabama. For sure. LSU win despite their inability to run the ball effectively. They get over 65 to 14. Auburn do run the ball effectively against Kent State. 55 to 16, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, and Old Miss all win. You see that Texas, uh, the Mississippi State boy against? Uh... Uh, yeah, I was, that was kind of my lead in, mate. You got to help me out here. Have I stitched you here? So as we transition, kind of, sort of, into the Big Twelve, uh, Mississippi State and K State uh, face off, and the Wildcats get out of there with a win, heading into Stark Vegas. Uh, and they win 31-24. I watched the back end of this. I thought it was really, really entertaining. I then went back and watched some of the highlights. Gee, there was a lot of errors, a lot of turnovers, a lot of ugly stuff, but a really entertaining game to finish. And a helicopter. like a And a helicopter. This is, this yeah, is up that there. QB yeah, was that was to... so good, man. Fourth down, really balling yeah. out for it. He got so high. Yeah, reach that ball out. Get that first down, buddy. <laughs> Not that he would have had any idea where he was, but yeah. Um, but yeah, well done to K State. And I heard that this was their first uh, out of conference home game, Power Five home game since 2011 or something. Something stupid that they've won like that. Anyway, uh, moving on. Oklahoma State beat Tulsa, who were up at halftime. They were. Uh, which was a bit of a strange one. But Chuba Hubbard had 100 yards and two touchdowns before Spencer Sanders had thrown his second pass. What were your thoughts on the pokes? Will? Yeah, so he took the opening play from scrimmage, uh, 75 yards for a touchdown. Not a bad way to start your day. Uh, yeah. And then it's, it's him and Tylan Wallace are just kind of on their own level at the moment, at least against the opponents that they've come up against so far, which is, you know, the next tier down. But those two guys are pretty special. So I'm really looking forward to a big matchup with Texas on the horizon. That is just next weekend. So they get that one 40 to 21. Is there anything to be concerned about in terms of the up and down play of Spencer Sanders? His first not so great game, I suppose. I mean, that's going to happen. He's a freshman. You, you got to expect that. You want them him to be able to perform in big moments. And I feel he did that in the second half. I was like really dialed into it because, you know, you're a little bit worried you're down at halftime against a, a local school. 
Uh, and yeah. there were a few really big third third and relatively long situations where he was able to make a play either with his legs or, or through the air. So I think he has that in there. You, you're going to have it, – it's not always all going to go your way, and I think there was enough there that I, I really like the look of it. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma destroy UCLA 48-14. to 14. Chip Kelly is in a world of trouble down there. The Bruins look rough. Texas stomp Rice at 48 to 13. Arizona downs Texas Tech 28 to 14. Uh, you probably would have kept a bit of an eye on that in your hungover stupor. But both teams managed to combine for four turnovers in the first quarter alone. I still think there's something wrong with Khalil Tate. I don't know what it is, whether it's the offense or the coaching or whatever it is. He just doesn't look comfortable until the second half where they started to run the ball a little bit more, which included a 99-yard touchdown drive where they ran the ball 13 consecutive plays. Um, but he just doesn't look the the true dual threat that we thought he would. No, I mean, but he had like an 89-yard run or something himself, didn't he? It was the yeah. longest QB run in Arizona history. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's there. That 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 is there, and we saw it a lot his first year when he broke out, and we really haven't seen it consistently since. So it's a bit of an interesting one. Keeping that Texas Tech Red Raider offense to 14 points was impressive, and I was actually impressed by initially how they started. I thought they were in complete control. They were running the ball very effectively, uh, but yeah, well done to Arizona. Uh, Purdue's defense is really, really, really rough, and Darius Anderson gets loose. He made the most of that to the tune of 179 yards and two touchdowns for the TCU Horned Frogs as they blow out the Sorry. I think if we play back uh, last week's episode, we ha- we don't need to do. We that. had a bit of a bet on we this one, didn't we? We don't need to do You're that. You're going to be clean shaven uh, when I come down and see you during the week. Oh, is that what I'm doing? Shave the beard off, mate. That was the deal. Oh, that is gross. When? <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone wants to see that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, exactly right. I have you, a face like a, I have a face butt. You well, no, you, you teach children. We need to be able to distinguish between the children <laughs> and the teachers. So I might uh, let you off on this one. Be horrifying. I should do it though. But what, anyway, what I thought was interesting with that one. Sorry, I will just jump in. Is that our boys yeah. uh, that I thought were going to be dueling Jalen Rager and Rondell Moore didn't really have a huge influence on the outcome <laughs> of this one. No, I think probably that starts with uh, Elijah Sindelar getting sat with concussion. He was in concussion protocol. Jack Plummer gets his first start for the Boilermakers, and he found out on Friday, the day before the game, that he would be starting, uh, and that alone. And so, and some good TCU defense, which we know that's what they're, they're known for. They managed to really f- force pressure on the young freshman and – really took the ball out of the hands of Rondell Moore. They they played him tight and he couldn't get the ball in, in any kind of space whatsoever. Yeah, I think TCU are going to be a decent team this year as well. Absolutely. And something, yeah, I, I'm going I'm to claim that one. I think TCU will be good. And I said earlier in the year, I think they'll push up into that top bracket in the Big 12. So as we transition across into uh, the kind of Big 12, kind of ACC, West Virginia, What's going on there? They dominate the second half to pull away from NC State, 44-27. to This is a team that got rolled by Missouri last week who lost to Wyoming the week before. Where do we sit with West Virginia? I think this just really shows the ACC is not good because I still don't think West Virginia are a very good football team. Yeah. I mean, playing in Morgantown is a tough environment 
So you can you can always kind of back them in to be fairly good there, or at least a really tough out. It's, the margin in this game really surprised me. I, I I didn't expect that, but I'm not completely shocked to see them get up against NC State because they're part of that middling SEC that we've talked about already. Yeah. Uh Pushing on into the ACC, uh, Clemson make no mistake in handling Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, forty-one to six. The Citadel, yeah, that's right. The Citadel handle Georgia Tech in overtime, twenty-four to twenty-seven. Uh, a triple option team beats a former triple option team, so there we go. Georgia Tech will still have some growing pains with that one. Louisville beat. Western Kentucky, 38-21. Despite the loss of Jawan Pass, he went out with an injury as well. Virginia Tech squeak home over Furman after being down at halftime. Gross. And Miami and Duke yeah. win comfortably. Yeah, and Virginia Tech were down like quite badly at halftime too. So it, it wasn't like a one or two point sort of dealio. They, they had to dig deep to get it done, but they did. So that's all that matters. And uh, they're your coastal ACC Coastal Division champions, aren't they, William? Just doing what they need to do to win. Okay. Uh, again, as we make this transition, sort of ACC, sort of Big Ten. Penn State hold on against Pitt. Uh, now, gee, speaking about some bad coaching, uh, I didn't really understand this kind of play call towards the end here for Pitt. They had a first and goal on the one. Uh, and Pitt then don't get in on first, second, or third down. They decide to kick the field goal down yeah, 17-10, which I didn't yeah. understand. The kicker doinks it, and they had another chance at it late in the game. Kenny Pickett throws 51 times for the Panthers, but strange, strange uh, decision-making there. I just I didn't really get what was going on, but Penn State hold on. Correct, because it's not as if another field goal helped them. Like yeah, exactly. It, even if he did hit that kick, it, it wouldn't have fucking mattered. So that that was just really conservative and pretty poor in my mind. Really strange. Uh, Ohio State beat Indiana in Bloomington. That was no issue for the Buckeyes. They get over that one 51-10 and continue to roll. Northwestern um, play okay. Offensively, I've still got some massive concerns about Hunter Johnson and what they're doing offensively. I'm not exactly sure of their identity, but Northwestern do win over UNLV, 30-14. to 14. And then what the hell, Maryland? What the hell? You're, I mean, we all saw this coming, right? You said maybe this is a team I'll get on board. So surely everyone out there went and put their house oh. on Temple to, I mean, to provide the biggest upset of the weekend. That's, yeah, that's... You really have uh, a, a true jinx going on here, mate. i got a kiss of death for teams. Don't you worry. So I was really excited about that Terps offense, and they stalled out hard. Temple's defense was really, really good. Their play calling, particularly in the red zone, was pretty creative, uh, and they win 20-17. to 17. Again, a chance for Maryland to come up big. They had four tries inside the five, they give it four times. Uh, sorry, they give yeah all four times to Anthony McFarlane, and he doesn't get there and doesn't even get close really uh, to finish off the game. So a really disappointing set for the Terps, and they have now lost their last five games when ranked. That's not good. That's not a good run. So if you're Maryland and you're ranked, you're losing the next week. So they will go out 
of the rankings. Okay, moving across into the Pac-12, Colorado, speaking of a strange upset, can't consolidate and they go and lose to Air Force at home 23-30 to 30, uh, in, in overtime as well. So they scratch and claw their way back to get it to overtime, but it uh, couldn't happen for the Buffs. UCF. Go and completely dominate Stanford, 45-27. to 27. I watched this game, and this was over before quarter time, and I am completely off Stanford. I thought they were going to be okay this year, but that offense is stodgy and slow. And oh, you're with me. And, yeah, and they just couldn't stack up against a talented and athletic UCF secondary. And, you know, we're sitting there, quarterback position for UCF. Obviously, it's Brandon Wimbush. No, Daryl Mack. No, it's this... Dylan Gabriel, who comes in as a fantastic recruit. I think he's from Hawaii as well. Uh, And he torched the Cardinals, throwing that ball deep, over 350 yards, four touchdowns. He looks like the real deal. So you're saying there's a chance my bowl prediction that Stanford don't make a uh, bowl game is on the cards? Uh, I think UCF are underrated. Actually, okay. I know what they're ranked at, what, 17 or something at yep. this stage, and, and they will go – well, they probably won't go too far. No, they, I mean, they've done everything right, though. This is their big game. This is their big Power 5 conference game. They've gone and dominated it, which is fantastic. They're just, they need Temple to go and run the table and play really, really well, and, and all these other teams uh, in the former Big East – I nearly said the Big East – in the American – to really give them a chance to, you know, make some noise. But, gee, they're good. I, I, you wouldn't want to play them as a, as a Power 5 team, I don't think. No, no. You're right. They're, they're, a class, they're a class team and I hope they get an opportunity. I hope that, you know, yeah, as you said, Temple or someone else can really show out to be a, a good contest and that they can show what they've really got. Uh, Jacob Eason looks better against a really, really poor Hawaii defense. Uh, Washington go and beat the Rainbow Warriors 52-20. to So they get back on the winner's side or back in the winner's column after their disappointing loss to Cow. The Huskies have now got games at BYU against USC and then at Stanford. And I don't know if that's tricky. I don't know if it's easy. They probably shouldn't lose any of them, but you really just don't know. No, you're right. There's a bit of Jekyll and Hyde amongst all of those groups at the moment. So... They, they they are the better team than all of them at the minute, I think. But uh, it's just yeah, a bit a bit of the Pac-12 being a bit dicey. I, I don't know who's going to show up and when at the moment. Now, speaking of a team that I gave the kiss of death to early uh, against Utah, but they've bounced back, beaten Tennessee, now going to beaten USC in overtime, and that is BYU. Keaton Slovis, the Trojan QB, comes back to earth with three interceptions and it took a 52-yard field goal for Chase McGrath to even get it to overtime. But Zach Wilson looks really, really good again. I've got a lot of time for that young quarterback. Again, I do like the BYU offense and they're sort of putting up a, you know, a bit of a hit list of teams that were good when you were a baby, William. Yeah. So Tennessee, who haven't been good, and USC, who are mediocre, but... You know, if you said that back in like, I don't know, the mid to late 90s, people would be like, yeah, gee, BYU, really? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, your bold prediction here is looking pretty good with Clay Elton. It's a matter of when, not if, in my eyes at the minute. Oh, wow. 
Go on. Now, what did I say? The bye week before? Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. So I can't... Who have they got next week? They've got a tough game next week, I believe. I should know this. Uh, then they get Washington. Then it's a bye. Then it's... Notre Dame. Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah. Well, I they mean, got, they could yeah, lose U- the next three. Utah but... next week. And then Washington. Yeah, that's right, Utah. So they drop both of those. And fooey, you could be on here. Yeah, I know. I know. Come on. I mean, I shouldn't be hoping for anyone to lose their job, but it's going to happen. Cowan jumped out of the blocks early, but then ground to a halt in the second half. They win over North Texas 23-17. Arizona, we talked about the Arizona Tech game, so I'll move past that. Utah, Oregon, Oregon State do things at a canter. That's right. Oregon State win at a canter. Uh, Cincinnati bounce back and win over Miami, Ohio, 35-13. to 13. Is there any other games that I have missed out on, William? I don't believe so, mate. I think you've done a fantastic job there, as always. Oh, rough, rough. I'm sure, I do apologize. We haven't got to all the group of five teams that we would like to. Maybe we'll spend a little bit more time on them as we hit the midpoint of the season. Okay, moving on. Let's have a look at our bold predictions for week three. You can start us, please, Will. Okay, mate. I again, I am getting so close. I don't even know if you're <laughs> you're going to allow me to have this one because of like a. Let's say I didn't hit it on the head, but I got two in one bracket that I would have thought. So, so mine was that the ACC stink and they're going to continue to stink and they're going to have a terrible weekend, which I would say did happen, right? Yeah. What uh, I predicted was for one of BC, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, or Louisville to lose. So they were all, you know, multiple touchdown favorites. BC lost to Kansas. Bing, bing, bing. That's a good one. Virginia Tech just beat Furman. Just. Yeah. Georgia Tech lost to Citadel. Oh, God. I've, I've got another one there. That's that's not bad. Nailing two of them. And then Louisville, who are the ones that I thought, oh, West, they're playing Western Kentucky, who aren't bad. Maybe they'll be the one. They were the only ones who looked convincing. Yeah. I then had uh, Duke, who played Middle Tennessee and won, uh, or NC State to lose as a touchdown <laughs> favorite. NC State got smoked. <sighs> the last one that I had in this one was for Penn State to easily cruise past Pitt. And they didn't. They were the ones who kept it tight. So I don't know if I can fully claim it because that didn't happen. I think on the whole I was alright. I think I've been <laughs> I've done well to to pick a lot of these upsets here. But the one that was probably you know I think the line was two touchdowns, so it's a fifty fifty. Hasn't gone my way. I'm disappointed. Oh, unlucky, Will. I'd <laughs> like to say you've got it, but you haven't. So bad luck. Uh, keep swinging, mate. You're doing well. Maybe you should just go with your bold prediction rather than punting or punt on your bold prediction. Yeah, th- that sounds sensible, but we'll, we'll touch on that. <laughs> oh, you've had a win this week, I can tell. All right, I missed tragically. I said both home teams between uh, Arizona State and Michigan State and then uh, what was the other big game? Iowa, Iowa State. So Iowa State and Michigan State would both win by two touchdowns as the home teams. As it turned out, both of those teams <laughs> lost. So I didn't even get close. 
so I missed horribly. I'm going to have to rethink my strategy here. I did jag a bowl prediction last year. You oh, got one as well, didn't you're you? You're still hanging your hat on that, mate. Come on. We're, we're into 2019. You, you need to get about this. We, we need. But this is how I started. I'm the, well, I was going to say I'm the New England Patriots of bold predictions. I just start really poorly and then build. I don't know but if that's got a I think they just win. Really yeah. yeah, they're just crushing teams. So maybe not the New England Patriots. But, uh, yeah, I'm just easing my way into it. So it's only early in the season. I don't, I don't know. I All feel right, like now, it, no date. No. Sorry? You're that guy who's swinging really hard and like eyes are closed. You just you are trying to send it out of the park and you're not yeah. getting close. But then when one is in the slot and you do make connection, you know it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel I feel you, man. I think you can get there. So I'm a number eleven batsman, is what you're telling <laughs> Perhaps, me. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh let's carry on. Uh, helmet stickers, yes. who are you lining up for some big weekends? So there's a few really impressive ones. Uh, the first game that I'm kind of going to dole out a whole bunch of helmet stickers for are Troy and Southern Mississippi. Oh, offensive. Far out, 47-42. And some of these numbers are just incredible. So the Troy quarterback went 29-43 of 43 for 504 yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions, and they lost. How's that? <laughs> Throw for 500 yards, four touchdowns, keep it clean, and you lose. That hurts. Yeah. On the other side, though, you've got the Southern Miss quarterback, Jack Abraham. Did I tell you it was Caleb Baker? Sorry, quarterback at Troy, Caleb Baker. Get a helmet sticker, mate. Bad luck. Jack Abraham, <laughs> yeah. University of Southern Mississippi, went 28 of 36, 463, and two touchdowns. That's not that good. It's not bad. 460, 460 touchdowns. But if you look at his, his two leading receivers were the two leading receivers in the nation this year. So Quez Watkins and Jalen Adams combined went for 18 catches, 389 yards between two dudes. Get the fuck out of here. That's incredible. So helmet stickers go to all of those guys and no one on fucking defense in that game apparently. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa just keeps on keeping on. Like you said uh, off the start of the show here, his numbers were insane. This is against an SEC-level competition. He went 28 of 36 for 444 yards and five touchdowns. First quarterback in, I don't know, there's a statistic out there. I've lost it. But first quarterback to throw for more than 500 yards and five touchdowns at Alabama in some time. Okay. I mean, he did have eight incompletions, which was a bit disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be bummed out with that. Normally, he has a pretty good incompletion to touchdown ratio, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, rushing the ball, my boy, Chu Barbard. He had another yep. massive day. So they, they gave him the ball 32 times, which is a lot. But when you are running at eight yards per carry uh, and rack up 256 yards on the day, along with three touchdowns, probably a fair shout. Uh, J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State. Is one that he uh, is probably not spoken about so much this year. So he was kind of a, a big guy last year, him and Mike Weber, uh, and then he moved on. And J.K. Dobbins has stepped into that role. He had a really, really impressive day: twenty-two carries, nearly two hundred yards at eight per, which is huge. Uh, and then the last one that I'm going to give one to is T. Higgins. He's just. He's a superstar, man. He, he's going to really make a lot of money on Sundays playing in the pros. He had seven catches for 150 yards, averaging 21.4. And he's 
he's got wheels. He has wheels. Yeah, absolutely. He's an and he's a big, big dude as well. Um, I've got one I would like to give out. Uh, yes, it's a massive Homer pick, but uh, when Miami start, uh, it, it's not necessarily a helmet sticker. I just want to acknowledge some guys. I think and and this happens a lot in college football. I think Georgia's fans, for one, need some recognition about what they did. I thought that was really, really nice, really touching. Uh, but Miami had a walk-on who scored a touchdown. He's five foot seven, uh, or former walk-on. He played running back, uh, scored a touchdown, and then got helmet cracked by his own teammate that put him on his ass in celebration, and then did a backflip. Um, so that one's quite funny to watch. But he's been through a lot of adversity and, and you know had a lot of issues. Uh, it's good to see him get six, some success. And, you know, there's a lot of players that go through that every single year that you never, ever hear about. Uh, I only know about it being a Miami fan, but uh, particularly in those games where it is a bit of a blowout, you can get a run for some of these other kind of hardworking, fringier guys. But it's good to see them; those guys get some success as well. And it's always good to see a little fella do a backflip. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, the Aussies in action now, William. How did our Aussies go this week in week three? Obviously, on in the punting game, they would have churned out some more big, big numbers. Absolutely. So we have moved to number one and number two in the nation now. As Australians, we hold that. So Max Duffy has continued his stellar start. He had only a couple of punts on the weekend, but he averaged 54 and a half on the two of them. So he's moved into number one. Just behind him, Oscar Bradburn, another huge week at Virginia Tech. He had four kicks and an average of 52. So he's now two. That's great. Those guys are really in the box seat for that Ray Guy Award, which is awesome to see. Uh, one that I really want to mention here, Tyson Dyer. So out at New Mexico, he had a really tough yeah. day uh, out at Notre Dame on the weekend. They, they lost 66 to 14, so that's yeah. not good. He was good, though. He had six punts at an average of 46.5 across the day with a long of 63, which is a massive whack. But what we also saw from him was he was able to pick up a first down. Yes. So so he had a uh, a fourth and two, and I don't think it was drawn up this way. He kind of botched the snap a little bit, but when he rolled out to kick the ball, saw that it was about to get smothered, Instincts kick in. I'm going to hold on to this. Just check the got his ass upfield and absolutely got tattooed, but <laughs> picked up that first down. So that was awesome. He got it. When I was looking at these stats, I also found that New Mexico had 12 people run the ball. Yeah. Had 12 dudes rushing it. That's a fucking lot of dudes you're cycling through there. Oh, yeah, I don't know. In Good for him. Just killing people. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like. Uh, others to impress over the weekend, Blake Hayes at Illinois. Uh, they had a super disappointing loss to Eastern Michigan. Yeah. He could hold his head high. He had seven punts and an average of 48, which is really good. Uh, Bailey Flint out at Toledo had three punts, uh, totaling 150 yards on the day, which is super strong. And finally, Tom Hutton, bit of a homer pick myself here now, at Oklahoma State, he had his best outing yet. So he had uh, five punts and an average of 45. So it's good to see. Good stuff. So the boys keep... Keep on keeping on, uh, which yes, is fantastic yeah. to see. Um, I think we have sev- seven in the top 20. Seven in the top 20. That's good. This lonely little island down here continuing to churn out 
punters in college football and certainly in the NFL as well. Okay, let's hustle along here as we move to on the punt. Now, I know you're excited because you must have won some money this week. You haven't bitched or complained about it at all yet, so you've come out on top, haven't you? No, I have not. No, no I lost money. <laughs> that Just is not another week on the punt. Yeah, yeah. no, d- disappointing, mate. So things uh, started all right for me. I had Oklahoma State, uh, and obviously at halftime they were down. They, they, they jumped out the blocks early. They're up 17 nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then, what was it, 21-17 at the half? So that yeah. was a bit concerning, or 20-21 or something like that. So then after that, they, they really started to dominate, but they were only, I think – 10 points up with a few minutes to go. And then Chuba just broke the line. Like when they probably could have run down the clock, he, he busted through, scored on like a 35-yard scamper to put it out to 17 and get me the cover. Felt great. There's money. Awesome. Picked up one. Then the Iowa-Iowa State one. Mm-hmm. So I had the minus one and a half. They won by one. Oh, God damn it. Mm. I mean, that happens. It, it happens more likely than you would think it would happen. <laughs> yeah. But that hurts. Uh, and then to round it out, I had Nebraska and Northern Illinois. Like, yeah, Northern Illinois look like they're going to be able to keep it close. Nope. Nope. <laughs> they got smoked. So I dropped both of those ones there. That results in a negative 4.2 outing on the week, which has me at a running total of negative 9.4 on the year. Mm. Or for those astute punters at home who fade me you're up plus 9.4 i think that's how that works so happy days right oh god that yeah, is not great it's probably but... 9.6 is it actually plus no i don't know i don't know how that works i can't yeah, do that anyway it would be different yeah um well that is is disappointing again william uh, this is our kind of last episode, well, second last episode together. We've got a couple of pinch hitters coming in, uh, but I'll be heading to the land of the rising sun next weekend, and I actually miss a large portion of week four. Uh, so you'll have to have some mates step in and do a good job for me, which I know they will. Secondly, Drew Brees, you've screwed my fantasy team. So F you, buddy. I'm going to go 0-2 here, and that's unfair. That's not good. And it's not good. And I've been in winning positions two weeks in a row. I mean, I did get 37 points out of the New England Patriots defense today. So that's I did see that. And to do that and lose is impressive. So fucked. Anyway, uh, in terms of us here at College Football Down Under, that brings us to the end of our week three recap. As always, please do... Uh, hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down Under. There was a lot of movement on the Twitter front on the weekend, of which Will was too intoxicated to actually get to. Um, but we do appreciate all the banter back and forward. So keep us in your thoughts. Make sure you tell all your friends, all your family, hit that subscription button uh, and make sure you leave us a review as well. On behalf of Will Murden over there in the Adelaide Hills, myself down here on the plains, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.